Welcome to Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws, a show about all things poetry. I'm your host, Catherine Owen. November and season three's homage is to Heather Spears. Heather Spears just died this year. She died in April, April 15th, 2021. She was born September 29th, 1934, so she was a grand old 86 when she died. Same as uh, Joe Rosenblatt, only he was much more incapacitated at the time of his death. And Heather, as far as I know, was still bopping about. Uh, She was an amazingly active poet and writer and artist. I first met her back in, I don't know, probably sometime in the 90s, and uh, she came to Douglas College, and she did a reading, and it was the time when she had her uh, book out of drawings of premature infants at uh, a hospital for children. She used to go around many hospitals and draw uh, children and infants uh, for people who were losing them to illness or accident as a commemoration. And she also uh, drew uh, people in war-torn situations in the Middle East. Um, she put out a lot of uh, different books of poetry. Uh, some of them won the Pat Lowther. Uh, one of them, uh, The Name of Sand, I think it was, uh, won the GG. But, you know, she was never really strange. She was never really lauded in Canada, even though she won these awards. Um, She spent most of her life in Denmark. So she lived in Denmark from uh, 1962 on. So she had this kind of liminal presence in a way because of that. So she'd come back and forth. Um, I don't know how frequently, but I certainly met her on a number of occasions. Often when I was a member of the League of Canadian Poets, she would come to the AGMs and she would sit drawing the panels and the readings that would happen. And uh, once when I was part of a panel, I believe it was on um, environmental poetry. I think it was maybe the, the second to last year I was a member of the League. And so sometime in the, the mid-2000s, 06 or 08, something like that, she came and she uh, she drew me, and I, I framed it. And uh, she would often write some kind of phrase or line that jumped out at her, um, and she would write it at the bottom of, of your drawing. So there's a picture of me gesticulating while I'm reading my, my very long hair at the time and, and some words below me that I was speaking and I'm holding a piece of paper with my essay, uh, my, my poetry, um, whatever it was I was presenting upon it as part of this panel. And, uh, I, I treasure that. And also, I read with her in 2017, so she was 82, uh, at Planet Earth Poetry, and we both had released new books at the time. Um, I was reading from Dear Ghost. We had a meal and drinks before that. Uh, she, There's a picture of her and I that you know, she's got her camera around her neck and she's got her purse and she was always dressed in a manner that looked like she might go off hiking at any moment. 
Uh, she used to draw very vigorously on her hands and knees in her studio. She always seemed like a very no-nonsense person to me, like she didn't suffer fools kindly at all. Uh, she was quite um, gently curt, shall we say, with me. Uh, I think she found me a little bit over the top at times, maybe a bit too boisterous or garrulous. Um, but she was um, she was this 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 quiet, intense presence as both a, a poet and uh, and a visual artist. And uh, she didn't really care much for any of the, you know, fufura. And I liked that about her. She, because she came and went between Denmark and Canada, she never got caught up in any of that. And she knew that her art was meant to uh, contain much larger subject matters and preoccupations. So I suppose that while the prizes might have been nice, um, they certainly didn't define the, the directions that she took in her art. And so I'd like to read a couple of... She had an interview that she did with the um, with Canlit online uh, a few years ago. And um, she is, you know, predictably a little bit taciturn and... Uh, um, uh, just short in her answers. She she was brief. She uh, just didn't want to waste energy in that way. And uh, Ken Litt asked these kind of predictable questions. And she uh, was not somebody who was interested that much in, you know, the university's particular shaping of writing, even though she was in the initial creative writing class at UBC. Um it was very different at the time, and she saw how it was shifting and changing. And she essentially says that if uh, you're a young writer, you should steer clear of sites and textbooks and read and memorize lots of poetry. So she is about bringing poetry and art into the body, into the somatic world, and not just keeping it in the head and the in the intellect. And she says at the end of this interview... Um, that she learned her craft through imitation and that now students in all the arts are unfortunately encouraged to be creative before they learn the craft. And this is too bad. You have to be an apprentice for a long time. And I, I felt like, you know, no matter how old she gets, she, she got, she was always, she, she had this apprentice aura. She was always um, learning, traveling, growing, trying different genres and mediums and she had this she's very blue eyes and this this sparkle and twinkle in them of uh, the fact that making was her whole being so anything extraneous you know uh didn't really matter i mean she had she had four wonderful children um she had a you know a long-term marriage but everything was about creating for her and so I admire her very much for that. She was certainly an energy in the world. And I'm going to read one of her poems. That's it's kind of humorous. It's about how you know she wrote she wrote poetry that was very descriptive, um very um never wordy, never excessively adjectival or, you know, metaphorical. Um her rhythms were much more uh shall we say, conversational. Um, and she has this wry sense of ha-ha about the world. And in this piece, she's 
trying to pay attention to poetry reading, but she's accepting that as a human, she's going to be distracted and it's going to be a challenge at times. And she accepts that and then considers it all part of uh, the imagination and the respect accorded art. It's called paying attention at poetry readings. I am always moral at poetry readings. I pay attention, or I try. I always get lost. I begin to arrange the hair of the poet, or to trim or eliminate his beard. I press his trousers. I am fascinated by his fingers. I love his pleasure and his disarming smile at a particular phrase. I love the little pieces of paper sticking out of his books. Some poets are austere. They read impatiently. They frown. They do not ingratiate. They dare you to alter their appearance by one thread. They look at you suddenly under this kind of pressure. I am dismayed to find I have again lost track of what they are saying. It is necessary for the poet to be present. It is to be hoped that an audience of twelve or over, twelve being a respectable, even apostolic number, and that the poem, having been, as it were, reborn, foundering among the chairs, will be received here and there, for the large, if fallible, pale ears of the listeners cupped for it, like hands. So she's got a lot of an afro in that piece, and she ends with the one simile, the ears, like hands. And I really think that's a marvelous image of Heather Spears herself, because she was about listening, and she was about making, and the fallibility of that, and the receptiveness of that. And she was definitely a life force that we should continue to remember. Thank you for your work, Heather Spears. You've been listening to Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws. Stay fierce, word musicians.